0: download the Move app and log in with your Mamma Mia login. Head to move.mamma and use code MOVE ten to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're,
1: You're listening so to... Such ..a, <laughs> <laughs> a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Ki Reese, And we're back from our long weekend of... Picnicking and more picnicking because that's all we're allowed to do right now. But I'm not going to complain because it's glorious.
0: It was glorious. It was just good to be out in the sun, honestly.
1: Yes, exactly. And I like how we all regress to drinking in parks. I feel 16 again. So youthful. On the show today, Emily Ratajkowski has accused Robin Thicke of sexually assaulting her on the set of their Blurred Lines video. But there's a lot more to this story than what's been covered in the headlines today, and we're going to get into that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot dog? I
0: want more headlines. Well, it looks like The Spill is about to get some celeb competition with the announcement today that actor-turned-singer-turned-entrepreneur Lindsay Lohan is turning podcast hosts. So the yet-to-be-titled interview podcast will be produced by Red Arrow Studios' Studio 71 with a tentative launch date of late 2021 or early 2022. Studio 71 teased the show as Lindsay sharing her authentic voice, giving listeners a chance to experience a never-before-seen side of the star. So in a statement to Deadline, Lindsay said, I'm excited to partner with Studio 71 in the development and production of my podcast. I'm looking forward to connecting with more of my fans and having intimate conversations with friends and thought leaders across all industries. So the news comes as Lindsay's big return to acting in her upcoming Netflix Christmas rom-com heads into pre-production. It honestly sounds so good, and I cannot wait because you know I love my Christmas movies. And also, days after the news that her mother, Dina Lohan, will serve 18 days in jail after pleading guilty to a drunk driving charge. We're going to have to sharpen up our game if we've got LL coming into the game, honey. Na, na, na,
1: na. Well, in slightly less exciting news, because we all love Lindsay Lohan, even though we're still in the midst of the 2021 season of SAS Australia, Channel 7 has this week jumped ahead and also released the full lineup for 2022. Allegedly, because the list was leaking and they wanted to get ahead of it, that's a word on the street, at least, that hasn't been confirmed. So next year's contestants include Olympians Jeff Hugel and Melissa Wu, and Bachelor stars Anna Heinrich and Lockie Gilbert, along with convicted cocaine dealer. Richard Butros, who is the son of presenter and ABC chair Ida Butros, So a bit of an eclectic mix there as always. But there's one name on the list that caused the biggest stir over the weekend and that was former AFL player turned commentator Wayne Carey, who is also a convicted violent offender and will be starring in the next season of SAS Australia. So in 1997, he pleaded guilty to indecent assault after grabbing a woman's breast on a Melbourne street. Then in 2007, police were summoned to a hotel. Hotel where Carey allegedly smashed a wine glass into the face of his then girlfriend. When police were called to the couple's hotel room, Carey lashed out and kicked a female officer in the mouth. He was then convicted of battery on a law enforcement officer. Then, in 2008, police were called to his Melbourne home and made reports of a domestic dispute. When they arrived, he assaulted them and had to be subdued with capsicum spray. So the big conversation this weekend when The List came out is that, yes, SAS Australia is a brutal show, but it's also a chance to have a lot of screen time. It's really about having this big redemptive arc in the public eye and being able to tell your side of the story. You get a big payday for it. And a lot of people were saying it's not okay to have a man who's been convicted of multiple violent assaults being given a place on primetime Australian TV.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially when he has been given so many chances to redeem himself. One that you didn't even mention, but he had another incident that he wasn't convicted on that happened in the U.S. and resulted in him not being able to actually enter the U.S. because his visa doesn't get approved. So two years after that, in 2014, he joined Talking Footy with Channel 7 as a panelist for Friday Night Football it's just like he's had enough chances and he's still making money i don't really think he needs that spot like why don't we put a female person that's been cancelled up there? Because I can tell you right now, it'd be for way less than anything he's done.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, oh, but Chabelle Colby got to go in there, which there was also a lot of uproar about that as well. But people were saying, you know, she'd done her time and he's also been convicted. But it does feel like a slightly different situation just because of the backgrounds here. And I think what people are more upset about is that, there seems to be just really no consequences for these actions in the public eye that he keeps being given these TV slots. But also I think it says a lot about what the Australian public want to consume because at the end of the day, Channel 7's a business and they're putting out a program that they want a lot of talkability around, which he's definitely caused. You know, there's going to be a lot of buzz when he actually does appear on the show and they go into that interrogation room and he talks through everything that's happened to him. So they're going to get a lot of media out of it, which is what they want. And so I feel like morality is not really at the core of this show they're trying to get ratings and they just know how to work the Australian public and the Australian public responds to it every time. I really
0: hate us sometimes us being the Australian public I think we can do better okay.
1: This week actress and model Emily Ratajkowski has accused Robin Thicke of sexually assaulting her in an excerpt from her upcoming new book My Body. So in this new book, Emily recounts what it was like to film the video for Thick's 2013 single Blurred Lines, where she and two other models appeared topless in the video clip. In a passage from the book published by the Sunday Times, Emily wrote that she initially enjoyed working on the music video, which featured an all-female crew, until she and Robin Thick were left alone on set. She said, Suddenly, out of nowhere, I felt the coolness and foreignness of a stranger's hands cupping my bare breasts from behind. I instinctively moved away, looking back at Robin Thick. He smiled a goofy grin and stumbled backward, his eyes concealed behind sunglasses. My head turned to the darkness beyond the set. The director went on to yell out, what the fuck are you doing? That's it. The shoot is over. Emily then went on to say, I didn't react. Not really. Not like I should have. With that one gesture, Robin Thicke had reminded everyone on set that women weren't in charge. I didn't have any real power as the naked girl dancing around the music video. I was nothing but a hired mannequin. So obviously this has made headlines today for a number of reasons because Emily is very much in the public eye. She's spoken out about sexual assault before, but... The actual history of this music video itself has such a problematic history, but Robin Fix had a bit of a career resurgence of late. He hasn't yet to respond to this, but Key, what did you think when you read that passage in the Sunday Times this weekend?
0: Yeah, I was kind of in shock, but not shocked if that makes sense and then the irony of it was not lost on me you know blurred lines the lyrics to the song is literally about ignoring consent and that's exactly what he did he waited until he was shooting one-on-one with emrata without pharrell or ti who he'd made the song in collaboration with all the other models and in a professional environment he completely ignored her consent by groping her And the fact that the video, it was shot by an all-female team, but it just shows you how far men who believe they are powerful will go in a room full of women. Robin Thicke felt comfortable enough to grope a woman and it's because he's probably never been told no. He's the son of a Hollywood icon, Alan Thicke, and he's been running in celebrity circles from a really young age. He's never had to face repercussions for what he's done and that just goes to show you like – You know, the confidence that he had, whether he was drunk or not, the confidence that he had on set in front of all of these women to assault Amrata – It's actually quite frightening.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think what's really interesting about her recounting this kind of big pop culture moment all these years later and through such a different lens is that it really undoes the narrative of her success in a way. Not that she's not deserving of her success, but it's such a different story to the one she was probably told to tell when that video came out. Because this really launched her career. Like When this video clip came out, before there was any kind of talk about the fact that it incited rape culture or anything like that, or. I were on this like beautiful young woman who was dancing in this video. The song itself was hugely popular. Robin Thicke got two Grammy nominations for it. It also spent 12 consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard Hot 100 charts, which is a really difficult thing to do. And it really launched Rada's career from that. I mean, she appeared alongside Robin Thicke at various performances. She did a huge amount of interviews about it. She started getting magazine covers since she started being in the public eye and she started doing various modeling and music pro and then acting, her thing has been like, yes, I'm going to be naked, I'm going to show my breasts like she did in her first big movie role, which is in Gone Girl. But her whole thing was that I chose to be on the Blurred Line set. I felt really empowered. This is my brand of feminism. A lot of people haven't agreed with that, but she's really stuck to this story the whole time that she was the one being in charge of having her naked body be part of her career. And then we find out later on that on her first big job – She was like pretty much sexually assaulted in that way, but then had to keep beating this drum that she thought it was a feminist video, even though she clearly didn't really feel that way at the time.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, she's 22 years old. I think about things that I agreed to do when I was 22 when asked. Like she's on this huge set and the director even noted in the Times interview that Robin Thicke praised m Ryder's professionalism as she continued the shoot. What other choice did she have? <laughs> the kind of the question that I'm asking myself, like what other choice did she have? She's standing there half naked, topless at least, with a set of people in front of her whose livelihoods all depend on the shoot somewhat. She is not really in a position of power. Something really awful just happened to her. What actual power did she have in that situation to say no? And the other thing that really frustrates me is like because he did something bad to her, did that mean that she shouldn't have taken the opportunity for that success? I think it's something that's easy for us to be like, oh, well, you know, her career went on to great heights after that. But at the same time, like, had he not have groped her, her career still would have gone on to those heights as a result of that video. It's unfortunate that he did it, but it's like she shouldn't have turned down those opportunities. Even though I don't also agree with her kind of platform of feminism, it isn't kind of like what I prescribe to. But I think it's a really tricky situation because how do you just get leave everything and say no because of someone else's actions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're right, if she had said something at the time, she probably wouldn't have been hired again, whereas Robin Thicke would have gone on to perform every award show and be nominated for Grammys and stuff, which he probably still will be. I think it's really interesting that there's been a bit of a Robin Thicke damage control happening over the last couple of months, or at least this year. Everyone who's involved in the Blurred Lines video has since renounced it and said, like, yeah, it's super problematic and we wish we hadn't done it. Robin Thicke, for his part, he hasn't responded to these specific allegations, but the idea of the video and the message behind it inciting rape culture he has talked about before and he said that at the time of making that video clip and releasing the song he was abusing pills and alcohol he was also going through a divorce with his wife at the time paula patton there was allegations of infidelity physical abuse drug use all that kind of stuff and i think especially this year, there's been this big push from his team to do a bit of a redemption story. Like he did Armchair Expert, Dax Shepard's podcast, and was really like, I'm just a family guy who needs to be home with my kids. I don't really like fame. And he's done like a lot of press circuits since that. And I feel like his team too, like his music manager is married to Kelty Knight, who's famous entertainment reporter in the United States. And when she did a podcast with Monica Padman from Arm um, Checks, but all they talked about pretty much was Robin Thicke and what a great guy he is and how the world doesn't get to see the smart, beautiful man he is. So there's all these little seeds being planted in the last couple of months, which makes me think his team must have known this book was coming out and they've gone into damage control to try and smooth over his reputation before Amrata brought out this allegation against him.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you were saying that I hopped onto his socials and it literally looks like it's father of the year kind of vibe.
1: Oh, is that his Instagram feed? Yeah, his
0: whole feed is just like kids, wife, me being a stand-up guy, here's some music too. And look, yeah, you're so right, Laura, because the first, he only has 64 posts, which he should have way more, and his first post is from December of last year, so that matches up with your theory. Like for a whole year or for this year at least, He's definitely been pushing that. I don't know what it is about Robin Thicke. Like, I want to give him a second chance, but he just doesn't seem remorseful about anything he's done. Like the fact that he's still stuck to his guns. That it's like it's not about the lyrics of the song. It's about the beat. Yeah, the beat that you stole from Marvin Gaye and had to pay five million dollars to his estate because they sued you for copyright infringement. And then it's like. I'm never going to forgive you for what you did to Paula Patton. Like She wanted to divorce you and you were literally like, no, I'm going to use all my star power to put out an album, an apology album. Then I'm going to go around to every single morning show and beg for you to take me back. And she's like, I'm trying to raise your son right now and you're out pleading for my forgiveness by going on national television and singing songs about me. It's like, She's one classy lady to not talk about what actually went down because you know it's bad when a man is on national television begging for you to take him back and she's like, no, I'm good. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a form of emotional abuse to have that kind of a relationship breakdown with someone and then to completely take control of their life by releasing an album about that. I'm sure she was saying, Robin, please don't do this. Let's just quietly get divorced. And he's like, yeah, exactly. I'm going to sing songs about you. I'm going to go on TV and talk about you in circles and then probably message you afterward and say, did you see me? Like, apologize to you on TV again. Because, yeah, he'd go on these morning shows and interview shows and stuff and, and talk about their relationship and, like, beg her on camera to take him back and it was just like a hot mess. I remember when he performed Blurred Lines alongside Miley Cyrus and she was twerking on stage and and then there was a huge amount of backlash for her dancing alongside Robin Thicke and yes. like he's literally on stage bopping along to rape culture and then she's twerking and she had her tongue sticking out and the teddy bears and stuff and... She got so much backlash over that, whereas he's just kind of dancing on next to her and just completely skated past it. So no wonder he didn't think that this coming out would hurt him in any way because he's shown that he can really, when there's controversy in the air, he can just slide past it and release an album. Yeah, so Emily's full book of essays is coming out in November and I'll be really interesting to read it because she has talked about stuff like this before. Remember that piece that she wrote for The Cut quite a few months ago now where she talked about her first modelling job where she was sent away to that little country yes. cabin? where she was sexually assaulted by the photographer and she's only just started talking about that now, again, because she would have got a reputation for being difficult. And when we were saying we don't subscribe to her brand of feminism, obviously she does a lot of important work as well. I mean, she's out there at marches. She's been arrested for, you know, standing up for women's rights. She does a lot of charity work. She actually does put her money where her mouth is when it comes to, which I think a lot of people in her position could just post like cute quotes on Instagram or, you know, post motivational quotes and that. Sort of stuff. Whereas when you see photos of Emrata, like she's in the streets with signs standing alongside women and that sort of thing, and I think that takes a lot of guts. We're more talking about where sometimes she says, like the pictures I'm doing where she does really sexualized modeling shots, where she says things like, Um, I'm doing this completely for me, this is not for the male gaze. And it's like it's hard to reconcile that because those shoots really are done for the male gaze. Like, there's just no way to kind of get around that there's a particular form of sexualization that happens in the media that does come from that. But at the same time, she's used that to make money and she's used that to her advantage and why could you kind of fault her for that? But I hate that that conversation gets mixed up with conversations around sexual assault because no matter how many times she's posed topless, she doesn't deserve to have her boobs grabbed by pretty much her boss in that situation.
0: A hundred percent. It shouldn't matter. It's like, it's the age old thing about like, well, you were wearing the short skirt. It's like, well, you should have some self-control, you know, (laughs) that's exactly how I feel about Amrata. It doesn't matter how or what you're dressed like, you should never be put in a situation where you have to endure something like that, especially in a professional environment.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Robin Thicke comes out. I'm sure his PR team right now are busily crafting some sort of apology that he can post to his socials.
0: Maybe a sorry song.
1: Yeah. Oh God, don't write a song about her. He would do that, wouldn't he? In the meantime, I really look forward to reading M. Ryder's book of essays because she is a really beautiful writer and it sounds like, unfortunately, she has a lot of stories to tell. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. And as always, while you're listening, please follow us and leave us a review. If you're listening, please tag us on your socials and tell your friends about it so we can have more people joining our Spill gang. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, and Madeline Joano, with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.